Hello and welcome to another episode of Fight on Montana. I am your host, Adam Healy. Before we get to our episode today, guys, I would just like to let the listener know to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts at. You can find our podcast pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts at. Uh, also, if you want to get a hold of us, there's three ways to do that. You can get a hold of us on our Instagram page at Fight on Montana, also on Twitter at Fight on Montana, and also our Facebook page at Fight on Montana as well. So let's not skip a beat. Let's get into our episode today. We have great pleasure in having a former Grizz with us today, none other than punter, field goal kicker, place kicker, uh, former Grizz, Brody McKnight. How you doing, Brody? I'm doing well, uh, Adam. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, no problem. Thanks for coming on and kind of letting Grizz Nation, you know, know what you're doing and what you're up to and kind of going back over your career at the University of Montana. Yeah, so it's been it's been a good time, uh, almost about 10 years now since uh, uh, the University of Montana playing days uh, with the Montana Grizzlies. And since then, I've, I've done everything from landscaping to construction to uh uh to uh, sales um and now that's currently where i'm at actually is with in sales uh with a, a company called sport check the second largest canadian retailer sporting uh clothing and sports equipment with 191 stores throughout canada as of 2020 uh i currently work as a sales advisor with uh with sport check awesome awesome you see ever see any uh grizz stuff in your stores <laughs> that's a uh i wish you know i wish we could probably get get some of that grizz gear over to sport check i'm sure it'd be a hot commodity no doubt there you go there you go well hey you know you, you yourself were growing up in canada did you know much more or much about uh the grizz growing up well you know i wish i knew uh monty growing up because i i feel like monty would have been something i would have been pretty appealing to me as a, as a youngster, uh, growing, uh, <laughs> up young, young and about there. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really, uh, until my senior year of high school, I really caught on to, uh, Mon- the state of Montana and, uh, the university of Montana. Uh, my former teammate, Trey Henderson, uh, from Vancouver college, I picked up an offer from the university of Montana. Um, so it really sparked my interest there as to, Learning a little bit about uh, Montana, um, he ended up later going to USC on a on a scholarship there. Uh, but yeah, Missoula is a, a hidden gem for me, and um, I just I just was blown away with how much I fell in love with uh, the great state of Montana and the city of Missoula. Yeah, it's a great place, definitely a hidden gem uh, that we don't want too many people to know about, right? <laughs> <laughs> Some things are left, better left unsaid, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, how different is playing high school football in Canada than it is in the uh, the States? Well, uh, that's a great question, Adam, because, you know, I've uh, had a, um, many people ask me that same question before. Uh, the Canadian game is a little bit different than the, uh, the American game, except in the province of British Columbia, where I'm from. Uh, the province of British Columbia, we play a four-down game. Um, and then everywhere else in Canada, like Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, PEI, Newfoundland, uh, those provinces, they will play uh, a three-down game. 
the field's a lot wider in the Canadian game. Uh, it's more of a strategically um, punting game where you're going to be punting to the sidelines um, almost up to 10 times a game. It's not, it's not uncommon to see that with a punter. Um, and then with field goals, you're kicking off a one-inch block. Uh, so you have an advantage there, some would say, with with, with the one-inch tee on field goals. Um, yeah, but I enjoyed the four-down game in high school. That was fun because it gave us an opportunity to travel across the border and play teams like Ferndale with uh, formerly – if you remember Jake Walker went to the Titans as quarterback there, and then Nooksack Valley. Uh, so some of those teams were great, uh, and then O'Day as well. Um, our team, our team Vancouver College still plays O'Day um, to this day. So there's a lot of rich tradition uh, between that rivalry between the Canadian game and American game there still. Yeah, awesome. That's that's awesome. That you get to travel a little bit in high school. That's awesome. So, the three years that I you know I could find uh, with your high school, I believe you went like thirty four and three. Uh, that's that's a pretty impressive record um, in a in a three year span. Um, how did your team you know do that? And and was it really known for you know football? Yeah, Vancouver College. Uh... An all boys Catholic school has a great tradition for winning football games. Uh, we are extremely successful. Our motto is you'll leave here a better man. Our school is a, um, has a strict hardworking morals uh, mentality while maintaining a happy, humorous atmosphere amongst friends, family, and, and the network alike. Uh, Vancouver College has been around for almost 100 years. Uh, there's a brother's residence on campus. Um, they come out to all the games. And the community really just supports Vancouver College. Uh, all the facilities are currently brand new, state-of-the-art facilities, uh, uh, all updated. Uh, our our latest guy who went to the NFL, Christian Covington, uh, stints with Houston um, and um, the Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals, and he came out of uh, uh, Rice. I've spent some time with him in the off-season. Real nice guy. Know his family there. Good guy. And, uh, yeah, so Vancouver College uh, most recently just won a BC High School Championship um, uh, with uh, their coach, Todd Burnett, uh, who played quarterback at Eastern Washington. And he's been there forever now, and he's, he's been a, uh, a guy who's always been a competitor, and he's always found a way for his team to help them win games. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, in 2007, you know, you went to – I believe Purdue. Yeah, Justin traveled every game, saw some amazing crowds and stadiums in the Big Ten Conference, like Penn State and Michigan, really uh, stand out to me to this day. And of course, good old West Lafayette, where the Boilermakers met at Ross H Stadium, um, Purdue. Coming from Purdue, you know, which teams were recruiting you from from your high school, or, or which teams were kind of pushing for your services and, and why did you leave Purdue? Uh, well, before I actually took off to Purdue, uh, Carroll College, uh, I had a visit with Mike Van Deese and Coach Hogan at okay. the time. Um, in, um, I, can't, I think it might be in Harvard. Is Carroll College in Harvard? No, uh, Carroll Helena. College is in Helena, yeah. Helena, Helena, yeah. Helena right. Um, yeah, so we, I took a visit to Helena. I actually kicked a few balls for the guys and had a great visit. Everything went well. And, um, yeah, I was, I was considering them. And then Minot State, um, 
actually looked at that I pretty much offered me and then every major Canadian school uh, offered me a scholarship, partial scholarship, because that's what they offer in Canada is just books, um, pretty much just books, I think, for, for okay. scholarship. And then the Huskies, the Washington Huskies uh, worked me out. Oklahoma worked me out. And then I visited USC's Rising Stars camp. And then I was also working with Rob Pelfrey kicking camps on the side. Okay, okay. And then, so Purdue offered you and, and you went there or did you get a partial from them or? Well, yeah, Purdue was a preferred walk-on opportunity. Okay. Um, so it was, it was well worth it because Purdue is really what um, taught me a lot about football. I remember coach Mark Hagan there. Um, he was a great special teams coordinator and uh, he taught me a lot about the game. And I, I learned a lot about football from the older guys in the locker room. All the veterans kind of took me in as a, a good backup. I could play with Curtis Painter um, and uh, other guys like Dorian Bryant, um, Anthony Haygood, and uh, Corey Sheets. Uh, two of those guys actually ended up meeting again later down the road at with Saskatchewan Rough Riders um, at, at training camp in this Canadian football league. Nice, nice. So, you know, what made you choose University of Montana, you know, coming from um, Purdue, what made you choose University of Montana? Well, you know, I I saw that. Um, I I always research. I'm a big guy doing research online and learning more um, about any given topic, any given day. So I I read up on um, you know the Dan Carpenter a little bit. Saw that his amount of success. He's extremely successful. I knew. I uh, learned that Bobby Houck, um from from um, you know, the articles and the statistics that um, he likes to kick field goals and he's big on the kicking game and he's supportive of the kicking game. Um, I saw that pictures on cam- of the campus look beautiful and he has a winning track record. And Montana is fairly close to home for me. It's about 11-hour drive from Vancouver to Montana. So it, it all seems very appealing. Um, and that's really what sparked my interest with the University of Montana, Adam. So, you know, what did you like most about your time at the University of Montana? That's a great question, Adam. Uh, When reflecting and looking back on my days with the University of Montana, I think about my friends, uh, coaches, winning, the network, working out, uh, Mother Nature, uh, hiking rivers especially, uh, fishing in Missoula. Nice, nice. Did it kind of remind you of of home uh, back in British Columbia? Well, I've, I've like fished the Capilano River here uh, with friends, and I've fished uh, like the Vetter River with my uh, one of my best friends here. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's there's something ceramic about Mozilla. Uh, I mean, the Capilano is a beautiful river. If you ever get a chance to come this way to Vancouver, Adam, I I suggest checking it out uh, because yeah, it is a great spot to fish. But uh, Missoula is pretty tough to beat when it comes to uh, blue blue ribbon fishing, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, what are your favorite traditions at the University of Montana, if you can pick one or, or two? You know, it's hard to choose. Yeah, I'd say probably floating the river, icing our legs after fall practice as a team. Uh, probably my most favorite memory and, and hiking the M as well. So did, did you ever, you know, have to, um, for conditioning, have to run up the M or anything like that? 
Uh, I was actually, I like, I wasn't, I was actually pretty good. Like, I never got in trouble too much. But I think Bobby Huck might have sent me up there one time for missing a class. <laughs> but um, okay. I, I got the job in pretty good timing, actually. I remember Pete Calagas had us on the stopwatch. And I had clocked in at about, like, five to ten minutes before, um, like, having to do it again. So I was actually impressed with it. And I think he was impressed with it, too. Okay, okay. Nice, nice. So, you know, going to uh, University of Montana, did you have, like, a favorite uniform combo that you like to wear? Yeah, so number 83, of course, Adam. Um, it's framed. It's actually hanging in my living room right now. Uh, it says three-time Big Sky Champs. Uh, I actually think our senior class may be Hall of Fame worthy uh, in the Grizz Hall of Fame one of these days. I think our Grizz senior class needs to apply for that or get together, and we got to – we got to apply for that because we won so many games, yeah. our senior class there with the university for the university of Montana, two national championship appearances. We did outstanding. Yeah, definitely. You know, and just to consider like two national championships, which, you know, w- w- another semifinal in 2011, um, that could have been really close that we'll probably talk a lot about later, but could have been a, a third national championship as well. So. Yeah. So, you know, what is it like to play in front of, in, or play in Washington Grizzly Stadium? Adam, it's exhilarating. Um, the senses become vibrant uh, to complete adrenaline rush. Uh, yeah, I still definitely. remember running the flag out the tunnel for the University of Montana. I had the honor of doing that with Coach uh, Flugrad and the boys. And there's a photo of uh, us all running out together one, as one unit. And uh, that was quite an honor in itself. And being able to see other guys run out the flag, too, that's what it was all about, for sure. So now, how how is that chosen? Because I don't know. Is that the coaches that choose that? Or is that players? Or I, I think every senior gets an opportunity uh, okay. throughout the year. Uh, but the coach uh, kind of picks a has good timing. I mean, Coach Lugrat had a good timing when, where he had – he picks it uh, at a time where you're probably your most successful uh, during your, your senior uh, year and get a way of doing that and finding that time for each player. Okay. Nice. You know, you know, playing, playing at the university of Montana, you know, you, we have that huge rivalry with the cats. Uh, what is it like to play in that rivalry versus the cats? It's a tough game. It's hard nosed. It's emotional. It's old school. Uh, the great tradition, the pride and tradition of the Montana Grizzlies will not be entrusted to the timid or the weak. I mean, there's a lot on the line that uh, that game. You know, guys are fighting for each other. They're they're playing for each other's wives. It's a small town community. You know, across state, um, guys. I remember I, my girlfriend back in the day was interested in another guy from Montana State. <laughs> oh. So I was going out. I was going out in front of you know both crowds, and I had to perform because I wanted her to, and I wanted her under my wing, and that's just how it went. Uh, I just remember the rivalry; I loved it because that's what motivated me and, and to be a good player during those games. And luckily, you know, I had a, some pretty good success with uh, those games, going three and one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, before coming to University of Montana, you know, did you kind of? Um, understand the rivalry or know uh, how big that rivalry was? I remember Coach Houck teaching us about the rivalry uh, with the University of Montana when I first uh, had my first step in the door in fall camp at uh, 
during you know during fall camp and um and coach Hop just really instilled in us that this is an old school robbery it's uh take no prisoners um nobody's gonna feel sorry for you you gotta get up when you get kicked in the gut because they're gonna do it again if you don't and you got to get up and defend your university and you get to fight for yourself. But I think the rivalry's chilled out a little bit more over the years. Yeah. I remember, like, back when Bobby and, uh, like, Pete Galgas were in the house and our team was in the house. That was kind of a old-school football. I think nowadays the rivalry's chilled out a little bit where both teams, like, they still play football, but it's not as dirty, I feel like. Um, and the game's probably – um, are still good quality football, but um, I think everybody's come to their senses a little bit more, just that we're all human in the end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, maybe not the fans, <laughs> but <laughs> I do think the players probably, you know, it has kind of got less ruckus and, and less, you know, like that. But, man, I, I, if you still look, ask the fans – you know, it, it's still it's still bad blood. So especially, you know, us not winning in, you know, four years and, and you know, it, it's it, it's bad blood. We we want we want our chance at, uh, you know, reversing that. Who else, you know, in the Big Sky Conference, did you like to play or, or which one did you kind of like circle on your calendar and say, yeah, that game's going to be awesome? Any team, really, Adam. Uh, every week was an ex- as exciting as the last. Uh, you've got to love the Big Sky Conference. Uh, it's a whole an array of uh, universities, great colleges from all over North America, uh, anywhere from Oregon to California to Arizona. Um, I always enjoyed uh, playing in the Big Sky Conference. It's, it's an awesome conference. Well, yeah, and coming from, you know, um, Canada, you probably got to see – a great portion of of uh, you know the United States with playing in the Big Sky because it's so widespread too as well. Yeah, uh, the Big Sky Conference co- covers uh, some real landmass. That's for sure on the geography uh, index there. Yeah, definitely. So you know, what is your favorite moment, or, or do you have a favorite story from your career? Um. Yeah. Well. I think maybe uh, our three-game winners field goals again as uh, time expired. Uh, I've seen a lot of those types of kicks missed over the years, and they always aren't guaranteed. So those ones are probably my three favorite. Um, but then, you know, I, I think about um, Appalachian State, and I think about other plays that other guys have made. Uh, I think about um, our team advancing to, uh, you know, the, the championship game in Chattanooga, Tennessee, on that last play on that out route that they threw it uh, in the final. And I think Terrain guarded them pretty well there, and there, was, there wasn't a completion there. I just think about all the other plays, like uh, Mark Marini against South Dakota State with uh, the kick yeah. returns there for the down. So those are those are some great plays. And Cole Berquist with his huge arm, he was always had the ability to throw deep downfield. Um, Justin Roper, you know, running the option, had sell, same deal. Uh, Jordy Johnson, same deal. Um, yeah, so a lot of a lot of big plays uh, stick out to me. Jamin Sembrano, the corner of the end zone, 
Appalachian State over his shoulder. That was one of the best catches I've ever seen at the University of Montana. <laughs> you definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, so many. I could go on and on all day, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that, that, that 2009 game has a special, a special place in my heart because I was actually at that game against App State. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just – it was crazy. Just Just from the start of that game – being, you know, it wasn't too bad. It was probably in the 30s or 40s. And then, you know, after halftime, it drops and you basically, you know, have a, a pretty good snowfall and, and you can't see very well. And yeah, it, it was it was an amazing game. And yeah, it's one that I won't forget forever. So. Yeah, I, I still remember when Chase Reynolds, I think, became like the all time. It was either a rushing leader or a touchdown leader um, for the University of Montana, and we pretended to throw a grenade up in the air, and then we all <laughs> dropped at the same time on the PAT. <laughs> field That's there. awesome. Yeah, that was pretty, and we all did the we all dropped in the field. It was pretty. I think we might have got a flag for that, but it was, it was well worth it. <laughs> was Bobby pretty pissed off at that? <laughs> that was that was with Robin. I think. Oh, it was uh, Robin. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Bobby, you probably would have been really in, in deep trouble with that. But Robin probably would have been a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> you got it. So, do you have any regrets in your career? Uh, probably smoking a little too much marijuana on the rivers with fishing, that, that old backcountry. <laughs> that's one of my biggest regrets nice <laughs> um, nice yeah looking back on it because i don't smoke marijuana anymore but back in college i i did every now and then on the rivers and it was a good way to let back and just kind of reflect on my on football and soothe the muscles and you know so to speak but yeah i look at how much more productive i am now with work and my occupation and my life yeah and partying lasts a little bit less, so that's one of the things I've really uh, taken back since uh, my playing days. <laughs> nice, nice. And like when you start getting older, that that kind of cuts down too, as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you know, I I, I kind of thought of this question. I, I didn't put it in there, but when you were were uh about to kick a field goal did you have any superstition or did you go into a a rhythm or or some type of a sequence that you always did before every kick um adam it was more like uh just getting my alignment correct um getting the routine right and then it was all feeling the kick from there or feeling the and just kind of letting my soul do the work okay okay Awesome. So, you know, you played for, you know, Coach Hauk, and you also played with Coach Flugrad. You know, what was it like to play for Coach Hauk? Coach Hauk, uh, he's old school, kind of smash mouth football. Um, from what I remember, at least during my time while I was with him. Um, two different personalities. They're two great men. Um, I mean, Coach Hauk, was a special teams guru. He wins games. Bluegrad was real nice. Uh, had good relationships with his players. Uh, he runs a real exciting offense, and he wins games. Um, like I said, they're two different personalities, two great men, great coaches, and they're well-respected by their community. Yeah. 
what were kind of some of those differences, you know, other than, you know, like how the offenses were, um, you know, basically one was more a smash mouth run down the middle, run it till you, you know, the, you know, the hens come home. And then, you know, Coach Lugrad was more of an uh, West Coast offense. Uh, other than those two things, what were some of the differences that you saw between those two coaches? Like personality-wise? Yeah, personality-wise, demeanor-wise, you know, play calling, what, whatever you saw. Well, well, I mean, they're both pretty savvy. I really always look for um, just the positives and – with my coaches because they're giving itself, they're giving themselves over uh, for the majority of the time of just being with their student athletes and giving themselves over and giving their time over when, you know, they could be with their families or, and they're finding a way to balance their lifestyles out. Uh, and they're teaching us to help us balance our lifestyles out. Um, so, I mean, coach Flugrad and coach Hopper, they're uh, really just two different men. Um, but um, that's basically like any other man. And I mean, unless you're twins, and then <laughs> probably not going to be the same guy, right? So yeah, definitely, um, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you know, in 2008, you know, you took what's that? Sorry. I enjoyed my time with both of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, they both had, you know, their their own subtleties and and the way they wanted to do things and. Um, yeah, they both were successful to to some point, you know. So, in yeah, for sure, t- two thousand eight, you took over the c- kicking duties. How was it taking over the helm after you know the great career of Dan Carpenter had before you? Yeah, yeah, Carp was good. He set the bar and standard, Adam, um, just like Chris Snyder did. Um, I've ever, I never actually had the opportunity to speak with Dan, only, only Chris Snyder. Um, I, I, I knew Carpenter had a huge leg. He was like a three time, was he a three time all American or two time all American? I can't really recall. Uh, Off the top Uh, of my head. I want to say two, I want to say two, but it might've been three. Yeah. So he had about, I don't know, three or four stellar years there where he really just, um, made his kicks and um he just had a deep leg on kickoffs i remember that because he's a pretty tall guy what how tall is he what, six two six three so he's pretty strong had a pretty strong yeah leg, i remember yeah he was tall watched, you know, taller for a kicker anyways yeah I, I would study his film um at the university of montana um after i get done watching my film i, I watch uh, some clips from back in the day just to gain some um ex- um, experience as to what a successful guy at the University of Montana looks like and kind of model my game a little bit around that. So that's what I did. He's, he's a good guy. Both of them are. Awesome. 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 So, you know, your biggest kick, you know, in 2008 was the probably, you know, the, the game winning field goal. How was it to kick a 42 yard game winning field goal, you know, against Central Washington? Yeah, that kick off the left hash um, was probably one of the biggest kicks of my career. That's ultimately what won me the kicking job in the end. Um, when I when I lined up there, and I think Cole Berkwist kind of had a nice throw across the middle to Mike Ferreter, which really set that kick up. 
but that kick had about eight yards on it. It was probably good from 50, and it was just right down the right inside middle of the, the goalpost. And I remember just hearing the eruption of the crowd <laughs> afterwards, and uh, some guy offered to buy my dad these drinks and um, fly him back to Vancouver on his private jet and stuff like that. So that was a pretty cool moment. Nice, nice. Did you take him up on it? Uh, I think it might have been Kyle Washington, uh, but I think my dad respectfully declined because he's a pretty good guy like that. So Yeah, awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, what did you feel, you know, before that, that before you kicked it? And what was it like uh, to go through that experience? And had you up to that point experienced that kind of a, a game-winning field goal? Uh, the 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 most pressure I really felt up until then was uh, at the University of Purdue uh, during practice week. Uh, Joe Tiller, rest in peace, great guy, great coach. Uh, always remember him. Um, he really drilled me during practice um, in my kicking situations. We would have a field goal uh, session at the end of every practice, and Joe Tiller really did give me a lot of reps as a field goal kicker, and he developed me as a backup. Um, in the CFL, it was tough to get reps as a backup uh, to get that development. Um, but in the NCAA at Purdue, it was great. Uh, I was able to develop more and more uh, with that regard. Uh, so awesome. the most pressure I, I felt was probably just uh, in the Mets just before our bowl game, uh, our Motor City Bowl, the Motor City Bowl week when we were taking reps because um, – I just had to be prepared. Although our starter was having a pretty good season, it was just always a battle in practice just to try and make as many kicks as possible. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, you know what? Uh, you went nine for 16 with field goals and I believe 52 of 57 uh, with PATs and, you know, wound up being the third leading scorer um, on the team. How was it to have that kind of an impact, you know, as a as a, um, a new person coming into the team? Yeah, as a freshman, I mean, I look at the stats and I have a pretty high regard. I think maybe like 70 would have been nice or 80 would have been nice, but a lot of my kicks were pretty clutch. Um, and like, I, I don't think I ever missed a, a kick in the fourth quarter in my, in my four years at the University of Montana. So I always took pride in fourth quarter kicks, kind of with the two minute drill, last minute, last second kicks on the clock um and um yeah just being able to be alongside the great old line like guys like jd quinn or levi horn or uh on a pat or uh alex verlanic uh, uh the center there or john operud um to be alongside those guys like jeff larson's a holder and um it was great to be able to work with these uh, amazing people uh, just to get an opportunity to put some points on the board for the Montana Grizzlies was huge as a freshman that that's a pretty rare thing to be able to do to be able to come in as a freshman and put points on the board for your university right away yeah definitely definitely you know in you know 2009 you had another you know good year 15 of 25 with field goals and 64 of 67 of uh, PATs Another game-winning field goal, I believe, 33 yards versus um, Idaho State. 
you know, with this being your second game winning field goal, did it feel differently since it was a big sky team and, and not, you know, a, a division two team? Yeah, that was probably one of the toughest kicks of my career, Adam, uh, just because of the whole outlander situation. And I remember Ottawa State, they had this turf, and uh, this is before they updated their turf, really skinny turf. Uh, so I had to wear a different uh, cleat on my left foot. Um, and um, I, I remember kicking them in warm-up, trying to get adjusted with my new cleat. It was a bit of a, a, a gong show. And um, I just had to do everything my ability to adapt as a as a sophomore. That's a lot of pressure to be able to do that in a loud uh, atmosphere too indoors. And then they iced uh, our team twice, uh, two times in a row with two timeouts on that last second uh, kick. And they're hanging with us all game. And um, uh, they actually had their center. Uh, their, I think it would have been their nose guard jumped over our center uh jumped off our our center's back on the film and he he tried to block it which was completely illegal so yeah. i had to i seen this in my peripheral vision i had to lean back in during my kick uh in order to get the ball to get some vertical uh up and over the, the nose uh tackle nose guard to get over uh, him and get between the posts and the uprights and I luckily was able to do that. It was like a soccer style kick, and we we won the game, uh, clinched the Big Sky Conference Championship, and we got another ring. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I I, I I briefly remember that game. I think I was listening to it on on the radio. But so go again. Like like, what was the cleat for? Was it to give you more traction? Was it on your kicking foot or your or your non kicking foot? Yeah, so I was just wearing like one of those turf cleats on my non-kicking foot, uh, just so I could get more traction. And uh, I hadn't been—I didn't need to do that for any other game uh, in the Big Sky Conference. That was the only time I'd worn that cleat. So I think I had actually pulled a kick earlier in the game. It was the PAT. I pulled it wide left. Uh, so I was a little shook, and I wasn't sure if I was going to have to do that again, come back. But luckily, I made the kick, and we won the game. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That was a, a you know probably a very very high stress environment as well. You know, wanting to yes. win another Big Sky Championship as well. So, yeah, and their coach um, he actually offered me a full ride scholarship before I went to the University of Montana. Idaho State, Idaho State offered me a full ride, so um, it was kind of a, a deal breaker for me with that kick because it was like I could have. And then I don't say Bengal, I could have been a Montana Grizzly. Which one was it going to be during that moment of time? And luckily, I'm a Montana Grizzly to this day, forever. <laughs> nice, nice. So, you know, those 10 field goals that you missed um, uh, that year, you know, it's kind of kind of tricky because, you know, four of them were o- over 50 yards and two of them were blocked. Um so do you remember any of those field goals more than the others, and, and why is that? Yeah, so I was still becoming comfortable with the longer distances as a, a sophomore. Um, my leg was still developing, my leg strength. Uh, I remember my senior year, I was about three or four from 50-plus, but they threw a terrible flag versus Northern Colorado uh, against our team, not allowing one attempt to count. 
So, but okay. yeah, my leg strength was, was just still developing at that time as a sophomore. Um, but I was happy I had that many opportunities from those distances because um, I was able to make those kicks as a uh, junior and senior. Yeah, definitely. How do you, you know, and this might be uh, a weird question, but how do you develop your strength in, in your, your kicking leg? Is that just working it out and doing certain kind of lifts or or is that, you know, just kicking uh, kicking repetition? Well, Mike, Michael Gerber and Rob Oviet had us power cleaning. I, I owe a lot of my uh, kicking strength in my day to hang cleans and power cleans and squatting and bands, um, like uh, elastic bands workouts that you can do with your legs to strengthen any muscles there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's what I owe a lot of my kicking strength to and running nice. to. Nice. So, you know, in 2010, you had a, gr- a great season. You went 14 of 18 from field goals, you know, uh, with, I believe, two be- only two being blocked. You also held, you know, the punt responsibilities as well. Um, I believe you had an average of like 38.5 on, on, on punts with, you know, over 50-some tries, 53 tries. You know, 13 of those were inside the 20-yard line. And I believe your your longest kick that, that year was about 64 yards. Um, how, you know, against Weber State, how hard and how difficult was it to handle, you know, place kicking responsibilities and also punting responsibilities? Adam, I, I enjoyed both duties. Uh, I worked hard for them. I knew in the CFL that they would like you doing all three. Uh, so that was a good goal I had in mind before I was drafted to Montreal in the first round of 2011 was – to try and take over all three duties for the University of Montana. Um, yeah, it's something I worked with. Um, uh, I was luckily able to get that starting position, gain some experience there, and then uh, take that to the, the pros later on. Nice, nice. You know, that year you had you had many accolades and awards, you know, all Big Sky Conference selection, MVP. You know, what which of the accolades do you – are your favorite and which ones do you remember the most? Um, so I would probably say um, Big Sky Conference uh, second team. That was pretty pretty cool. Um, MVP was pretty cool as well. Um, yeah, it was just good looking back on my career. I still have those awards on hanging in my uh, living room to this day and um i'm getting a new bookcase soon so i can put more of them up but nice, um, nice. i'm just i'm really grateful for grateful for them yeah when i believe you know you, you shared that mvp i believe with uh chase reynolds if i don't if i remember right uh chase reynolds yeah that's right i'm yeah now that i remember it yeah you don't hear you hear uh, many place kickers or punters being MVP, so it was probably really well deserved. <laughs> yeah, the, the coaching staff was pretty nice about that. So uh, good times. Yeah, that season you put a record in the records by punting eleven times uh, and still beating Portland State twenty three twenty one. How does that happen, and and what do you remember of that game? Punting it 11, 11 times and still winning that game. 
I remember my light was just ready to fall off by the end of it. I don't know. I remember <laughs> sitting up in the stands with Caleb McSherty and Josh Stuberg after the game and just thinking about what just happened. And uh, Because I remember I, I had I had my punts, but they, they probably weren't the most uh, beautiful punts, but they were effective because they, they kind of got that rugby role. Um, I don't know if you know, but I, I came off um, two BC championships, uh, one in rugby, and then one in Australian football, uh, most recently over my time since I've been at Montana. Um, and I coached uh, BC High School Championship too. So I actually won three BC High School Championship, or sorry, B- three BC titles since uh, my playing days in Montana, since I've been gone. <clears throat> but uh, I was able to kind of use that rugby style punt that I picked up. Um, from rugby, just punting the ball around one of my off seasons and doing that here at home, and then uh, doing that on the pitch and doing that on the playing field with uh, the University of Montana. Awesome, uh, it was awesome. Effective. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of that now, um, more than you used to, with um, different kickers using that that strategy as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, I noticed it gained a lot of popularity after, after my uh, junior season. Yeah. Um, or Sorry, after my senior season, where I put up like a 42-yard average, I think it was. And, but then I noticed a lot more teams were doing it uh, afterwards. Not too many guys were doing it. So it was hard to pick up on. Uh, remember Idaho State, um, their kick returner dropped like two or three balls, and we, we picked up the fumble recoveries during the game that was great too nice nice so that year you also you tied for uh 16th in the fcs with a i believe an average of you know 1.27 field goals uh, a game in the fcs you know what are your thoughts on that and it's a great accomplishment um but as a team is it a knock to the offense not getting into the end zone um uh, I don't think it's a knock to the team not getting in the end zone because with the University of Montana, I know that our guys were giving it everything that you got you possibly have yeah. in your with your soul and just playing as hard as you can when you you can't move another inch. Uh, that's when you know you've given it your all. So, um, but these guys find a way to get back up after that play, and um, that sometimes that's the the way the ball goes is you can't go another inch because you've been stopped and you got to kick a field goal. So luckily a guy like me could come through for our team. And luckily I know a good line and a good um, a holder and snapper, and we could all do the, the whole field goal thing together as a unit. Definitely. Definitely. You know, was it hard going from, you know, making two championship games um, consecutively and then that next year, not making the playoffs? Uh, yeah, it was it was hard uh, losing two national championships. Uh, I, rem- I remember that, and um, it hurt a lot. But I really did have some redemption here in Vancouver, in British Columbia, when I posted three British Columbia titles: one coaching in high school, one in Australian football as a starting left defender, and one in rugby um, as a wing and forward and uh, a kicker. Um, so it really was redemption for me to get those championships back under my belt because 
those were three or four amazing years that I had as an athlete. And now I'm kind of just retired from athletics and I just golf now and cycle on my bike and work out. Nice. Nice. So, you know, where, where did you, uh, Australian football, where, where did you play there? Uh, so we have a, a league in British Columbia. It's called the okay. BCAL. Uh, I played with guys from all over Australia who are living in Vancouver um, and they all have former experience. Some guys actually played professionally uh, in the uh, AFL, which is Australian Football League in um, Australia, and it's full contact uh, hitting. Um, and so guys are, are constantly uh, getting after each other on the field. I actually blew up my knee our championship mm. game. Uh, I took a pretty bad hit. Uh, fractured mm. my patella. Um, but had surgery, had a good surgeon, recovered, and we got the gold medal, actually. Uh, and the whole team came over to my house, and we celebrated in my room with the trophy at my dad's place uh, when I was living there at the time. The real supportive team, and I had a lot of good memories with those guys. Nice, nice. You know, what do you remember? You know, you, you went to two national championships with the Grizz. You know, what do you remember about, you know, those two national championship games in, in 2008 and 2009. Uh, I remember Richmond really just brought it to us um, the first year, 2008. Um, and then I remember Sidbury, their defensive end, was getting off the line real well there. And he, he was giving our quarterback, uh, Cole Berkowitz, a lot of problems. So it was tough to get the ball out, I guess. Um, and I just remember the following year, 2009, we played Villanova and yeah. Matt Caesar, um, gave us a lot of issues out of the wildcat formation. He was running the ball pretty, pretty stellarly, um, as a running back quarterback halfback there. So I think he ended up going to the MLB afterwards. So he was just a real good athlete. And that was a tough, I think Villanova was the, the harder of the, two games to lose just because I felt like we should have walked away with the title at Villanova because we were that much better than them, but we let the game kind of slip away in the end. But there's no regrets because our team gave it as all, our all and we did everything we could. So that's just part of business. That's part of football. You get up, you move on, and you live to fight another day. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was That was a game where I was just like, oh, that – if you could only have have a couple plays left, because I believe it wasn't like just like a three point game or one point game. Yeah, it was really uh, close. Yeah, it was about that. Yeah. So in 2011, you had two games, in, in two games in one season where you kicked six field goals. Um, you know, one I believe you went three, four, six, and then the other one uh, was you were perfect six for six. So. What is it like to have a game where you kick six field goals and uh, some where you don't kick any at all? Uh, well, the games that I don't kick field goals, I'm, I just uh, try to keep my focus on the sidelines and be a good teammate and motivate the guys when we need it the most and um, just remain quiet when we need to remain quiet and just be mature be a gentleman and uh, just uh, enjoy the game, I guess. Uh, 
and then get ready for kickoffs or punts uh, if there aren't any field goals because there's always going to be a kickoff during a game. And yeah. Unless you're in the Canadian game, and sometimes you don't kick off at half, apparently. But, um, yeah, so that was good. Um, then, then having the six field goals, that was an incredible game against Western Oregon. Almost had seven. I think we wanted to kind of take it easy on him at one point, but um, that was a great game. Just uh, be consistent and make all the kicks. And the one from 51 yards off the left hash was a great kick too. Yeah. Yeah. And that you added, you know, uh, records in punting, you know, I, I believe the fourth longest punt in school history, I think it was like 75 yards. You know, that is incredible, <laughs> an incredible kick. What do you yeah. remember about yeah. what do you remember about that kick? Well, I didn't even realize it was fourth of all time, Adam. That's pretty up there in the ranks, so that's something to be proud of. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, do you know what number one is by any chance? How long number one is? Or Let, me, let, me, let me check. Let me check. Well, yeah, sure. let me check. Cause... Or you can get back to me on that one later if you want. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, curious to, to see what... Um, number one was but i just remember the 75 in a roll-up contest uh, at sacramento state and i remember bob beers uh one of the coaches before the time he said lay your wood into it so that's what i did i <laughs> rolled out and booted it and went about 55 in the air then rolled another 20 but we were we actually lost that game which was a bummer but the punt was phenomenal i, I had a perfect spiral and just crushed it with a good back win too and that was deepest punt I've ever had in my life in a game. Yeah, that 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 was that's crazy, crazy good. I had I had some punts in Saskatchewan. There, uh, I remember punting on my own, and the ball would roll a hundred yards with the winds that you get there. It was crazy. Really, my last trial. Yeah, my last trial was Saskatchewan. I was twelve of fourteen, and I had a sixty-yarder. Wow, uh, uh, almost like my pro day, but there were some big prairie winds there that day. I remember that, that place gets real windy in Canada. That's crazy. Was Sean Red never on that list? Because I knew he had a big one against Montana State back in, I think it was like 2008 or nine. I think he said he had a pretty big one that game too, but I can't remember how far it was. Who was it? Sorry. Sean Wren. Sean? Yeah. Um... Well, it says that, it says that Jody Jody Farmer has the first, the number one and number two longest punts of 79 and 78. Oh, wow. That's pretty deep. And then Mark Spencer, Mark Spencer had 77. And then you're tied with Kelly uh, Stensrud, Stensrud uh, with 75, okay. which is four, tied for fourth. You know? <laughs> Four. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. Great. So, and and I think they they these are pretty up to date. I think they update them after um, every season after after a season. So, but yeah, that yeah. was a level two. That, that wasn't even at elevation. That that punt there too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So you know, like like you said earlier, you had you had that another record with the six fields. Six field goals and making six against Western Oregon. You know, how does it feel to have that that record and and that 
many field goals in a game. I think it's a great record to have. I think it's one that's going to be with the University of Montana for a while. Yeah. Uh, because it's going to take six to tie it or seven to break it. Um, and you really just have to be in the red zone or stop on fourth down uh, in the field goal zone um, almost all for like six or seven series for that to occur. And then you got to choose to not go for it on fourth down. So Coach Blueground was pretty cool about kicking field goals that day and I was pretty well prepared to, to do that that day and so everything worked out it was it was a good game yeah yeah you know in 2011 but that team had an amazing year um it, it made you guys made the semifinals. you know you came back uh against the number one team uh Sam Houston State at Sam Houston State you know I, I believe that if you had, you know, a couple more minutes, that probably would have been a different story. But what are your thoughts on that game and that season? Yeah, so Sam Houston State, that was a tough uh, game to lose. I remember, uh, I personally, I had that one kick. Uh, it was a 48-yarder into, like, a 20-mile-per-hour win. I actually yeah. remember us calling field goal, but thinking we probably shouldn't have called field goal because that win was too strong. But then I remember – thinking it was probably my responsibility. I should have called the timeout and said, coach, we got a punt because uh, the wind was just way too strong um, to make any sort of field goal from that distance into that win. And they actually ended up scoring a touchdown the next play, which kind of hurt us earlier in the game. But um, we still had plenty of time left in that game to come back from that, that play. And I also remember the team walking to the, the locker room uh, and uh, Sam Houston State staying out on the pitch, kind of conserving their energy. So that was kind of uh, savvy on the, on their part because it was real hot and muggy down there. Uh, oh, okay. In, in Texas, that that game, and they were running this really fast wing tee on their uh, home turf. So that was a tough game to win. And uh, I remember us gambling for it on fourth and one, running the option to the left, and that was a tough play called to get stopped on. I thought we should, we should, maybe should have kicked a field goal there, but there's no regrets because you, you got to go with what the head coach is calling. You got to go with what your coaches are calling. You got to support them. I still do support them to this day for everything that they did for our program and everything that they're probably still doing for the game of football. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, going into that or, you know, looking back at that game, you know, do you feel like you, if you had the two or three three more minutes in that game, that that game probably would have been different, you know, a different result? Yeah, definitely. I think um, because we only lost by about three points. So, um, yeah, I think if we could have came back, maybe if there were a few extra minutes left, definitely, Adam, for sure. Yeah. So what do you remember most about that 2011 season? Was that so? That would have been my senior year. Yeah, your senior year. Yeah. Um, I just remember uh, winning quite a few games uh, uh, with Coach Flugrad, and our the, our bond from our senior class was really good. Um, I remember just taking care of each other, um, getting after in the weight room. That's when we we really posted our best weight room numbers was our senior year because that's when our team was our strongest. Okay. And getting the opportunity to meet 
players' families after the game, like senior senior day and uh, huddling up uh, after game days, uh, signing autographs for uh, families and younger generations to come. Um, yeah, so a lot of that just stands out to me. Still, I'm so reminded by it, and it's still touching to this day. Awesome. You know, that you know that season you had um, – you have both, you know, place kicking and punting obligations. That year, you had the seventh best average per punt, um, with forty-two point seven five yards a punt. Um, at the beginning of the year, did you have, you know, goals or you know distances that you wanted for your punts, or what? What did you go into each year with, like goals and expectations? Oh, I think my goal at the beginning of the year was just really anything over 40 yards that I felt like was a pretty good average. Um, I think at one point I was almost at like 44 yards in average. Um, um, after our uh, uh, last couple of games, I think that dropped. We were using a wet weather ball, so it was a little bit flatter. So okay. It was tough to get it to roll, roll a little bit uh, deeper in, in some games. But, uh, yeah, anything over 40 yards and then anything over kind of 75% on field goals was my goal. And that's pretty much what I did. So I put up two back-to-back pretty good seasons, my junior and senior year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at the end of your career, you know, you have some pretty huge accomplishments, you know, um, and I'm going to go over some, some of them. So, you know, two national championships, uh, one semifinal appearance, uh, a second longest field goal, um, in your or second longest field goal, I believe, in your career, you have the third and fifth, I believe, longest field goals, I believe. Uh, you know, Big Sky rec, uh, conference record and Montana record for uh, the most PATs uh, in a career of 220. Um, most PATs in a season, in a season, I believe, in with 64. Um, sixth all time in field goal percentage. Um, and that was kind of that that one I looked at kind of deceivingly because a lot of the the guys ahead of you, and this is might might piss you off, <laughs> uh, had had you know less than fifty attempts, um, and so a lot of the you know there's a probably two or three guys ahead of you that you know had less than fifty attempts, which you know I don't know I, I'm not a record keeping guy, but if you've got a guy that has twice as many attempts, you know, that, that would kind of, yeah. More, more, you know, let me check. Cause I, I believe like one of them, you had was like, it was over 50 way over. I believe oh. you had, let me see here. Yeah. And I, I think the, the guys with more attempts are going to tend to be a little bit lower or in the percentage books, unless you're a Dan Carpenter or something. Cause uh, that, that in, the years of college are still kind of developing. I noticed Brandon Purdy put a put up a pretty good year percentage wise. Uh, after I left there, that's one name that stuck out to me. Yeah, Brandon Purdy. Yeah, he did. He had a so field goal percentage. He's number. He's actually number one right now. Um, yeah, that that's what that was my understanding as well. And then yeah. that Camden Casper. The Camden Casper kid's doing pretty well in high school. He's up and coming. He's someone I was 
to look forward to. I think he's going to be a great talent for the University of Montana. I was looking at his profile a little, little bit there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I got to uh, interview him and kind of introduce him to Grizz Nation. Seems like a good kid and um, actually uh, played uh, at my high school rivalry, Big uh, Billing Central. So I'm from Laurel. So he he uh, he and I were, were rivals. So, But Dan Carpenter had 106 total field goals and you had 87. So um, I think oh. the only, the top three uh, numbers were you know, I believe Carpenter had one more field goal than Chris Snyder, and then you were third with the most attempts. So, okay. So, cool. you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with that, but, you know, some of those guys had, yeah. you know, what, 30, 35, 30, 40, you know. It, My stuff, I'm not too, I'm not too far off what Carpenter put up, and I'm not, I mean, me and Chris Snyder were pretty much similar too with our statistics as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So you know, you know, looking back at your career, looking at all those, you know, those accomplishments that I kind of went over, and the ones that, you know, we talked about already with game-winning field goals. Um, when you look back at your career, what do you take from it, and what do you wish other people take from that? Oh, uh, I just I take uh, everything. It's my life to this day. It's really what founded my. Uh, my foundation for my morals and who I am as a human being. And it taught me life lessons. I'll never learn with work. I'll never learn from, um, uh, you know, other people. Uh, um, but I'll only learn from that time I spent at the university of Montana. I mean, I'll have similar great life lessons that I learned from work, like hard working, hard working, uh, ethics and team atmosphere and, and great things like that. But, yeah, I mean, nobody can teach you how to survive hiking a river uh, on your own when you've got a fishing pole and you've got uh, waders on you and you can't, and you got to cross a river too and you got to survive out there in the wilderness a little bit uh, when you're getting uh, training ready for, um, you know, training camp coming up and you got to strengthen your legs to be the best kicker punter you can be, then um montana will teach you that um, that's a great thing about the university of montana there's so many uh, bigger brighter opportunities outside of football within that 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 jam of missoula itself that you learn within the community how to treat a woman right um how to treat your family right and uh, how to raise a family and uh the grizz raised me and i plan on you know continuing to uh, help raise my family as well, like my niece, my nephew, and maybe maybe a kid one day if I get lucky enough to meet the right woman. And um, that's something I'm really looking forward to, Adam. Nice, nice. So, waders in the river is that something that you kind of you know came up with, or is that like a uh, a workout plan that you guys had, or or what, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I was just fishing, uh, fly fishing, okay. and that'd be something I kind of just did on my own after practice, like the game. That was my way of zoning for before a game, um, is I just take off and go head up a river and hike the Clark Fork after after practice in the rocks, just on the side of the river where they came up to about your knees uh, or about your thighs and in, in depth, and it takes some strength to hike a river because on the rocks it's kind of slippery uh so if you don't uh step correctly and you're not well balanced that's what it taught me because kicking is about balance right you got to be well balanced on your balance on your kicking legs 
when you're kicking the ball. So that's really where I found my Zen as well um, okay. with the art of meditation and yoga um, and staying focused with that. Well, that's awesome. That That's, you know, maybe if, if uh, future field goal kickers are, are listening, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll take that up in, in your advice and go hike some rivers, man. Absolutely. It's a great way. Maybe get out by the river, do some yoga. Um, I'm a big advocate for yoga and meditation as well. Uh, I practice it. So it's good stuff. Awesome. You know, you know, being a, a student athlete yourself, you know, um, how hard is it to be a student athlete? Uh, it's not too hard. I actually really enjoyed going to classes. Um, I love my professors at the University of Montana and my academic advisors. They're all real super nice people, um, super supportive. Um, and I actually ended on a really good note when, when I graduated. I ended up getting like pretty good grades and it took me a while to get my degree, but I was happy I ended up earning my Bachelor of Arts with Sociology and Criminology in the end. And I'm just so happy I, I could do that. Yeah, definitely. You know, after your your time at, at uh, University of Montana, you know, you were selected first round, uh, eighth pick by the Montreal Montreal Alouettes um, in t- 2011, the Canadian Football League draft. You know, I don't know too much about the Canadian Football League. Um, is it? I, I don't think it is very common for them to take a field goal kicker. I might be mistaken because I don't really know too much about Canadian football. Is that accurate, or or how how does the you know Canadian football league work? I, I, well, I think I think my results just speak for themselves as just the to the type of human being I am. Um, I really did put in a lot of time with my teammates, my coaches, my um, fan base at the University of Montana. I always feel like I went the extra mile when it came to developing relationships and networking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big guy on networking. That's who I am with business. And I've always been that way, Adam. And so I, I think, uh, partially, uh, why the reason, one of the reasons why I was drafted so high so early is just because I'm, I'm just really good with networking and, and speaking and communicating, um, and getting my name out there and promoting, um, who I am and what I believe in. And, uh, and I'm a pretty good athlete on top of that. Uh, so yeah. it, I think it, it did make sense for that draft result to happen. It was unfortunate I didn't play a little bit longer as it is, but here's to say I wouldn't have won a BC high school championship as a coach. Um, I wouldn't have won a BC rugby union championship. I'm still brothers with those rugby players to this day. I'm really tight with those guys. And the uh, British Columbia Australian Football League, I wouldn't have won those three championships if I played any longer in the Canadian Football League, so I'm glad uh, I, I did that because I was able to network outside of the Canadian Football League. And I still network a little bit with the Canadian Football League as well, um, and that's good to keep those options open because you never know who's going to be able to help you in the end, and you never know who you're going to be able to help out in the end. So it's all good things. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, kind of give us a synopsis of, of your career in the uh, Canadian Football League. You know, how long did you play in the Canadian Football League? And, and, you know, why was it cut short? It was about almost three years. Uh, I was cut short. Uh, I was struggling with my health at the time. Uh, my mother was passing on due to alcoholism. Um, so I was battling depression. And I really just wanted to get home and really get my life figured out, unfortunately. Um, and I wanted to go and earn my education. 
Um, so, you know, I'm a big advocate for mental health nowadays uh, yeah. with Bell Let's Talk and just uh, being aware of um, the stigmatism of uh, mental health and uh, taking your med- proper medications if you need medication or if you, if you need assistance or if you need therapy uh, or if you need counselor that it's okay that you can reach out to someone to talk to. Uh, I know with the pressures of football and life alike, uh, it can all be a lot of uh, burden on, on your back some days, but you just got to know that you can never give up and you got to continue to believe in your faith, your family, and your friends, and that you'll persevere with anything in life. Uh, if there's anybody who's ever looking for a, a better time and place, you can always believe in that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I did a, uh interview with um, Ellis Henderson, um, and he kind of talked about his, um, mental health and what he went through. And, uh, it was, you know, it, it's one of the things that people don't talk about and it's really a silent killer that, you know, should be talked about more. Um, and especially with the pandemic that's ha- happening, you know, suicide rates and, and mental health is, is going up, um, that, you know, hopefully we kind of break through that stigmatism and, and kind of talk about it as well. So. Absolutely. I, I know I'm always here for the the Grizz. Uh, if anybody ever wants to reach out to me, uh, feel free to shoot me an email or uh, you can give me a call. I know I'm always available 24-7, Adam. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, you know, do you watch the Grizz games much now that you're in Canada? Do you get to, you know, follow the Grizz uh, much anymore? Yeah, we got back to North Alabama last year. That was a great game. We um really laid the lick into North Alabama. Um, but I'm looking to get back with some friends and family, probably in the up and coming future. Well, uh, once COVID's over, so we get through this pandemic together, I uh, look to forward to getting across the border again and linking up with some old time buddies from new faces, uh, familiar places. And, uh, yeah, we'll just see what we can do. We can make it happen. I, I took a road trip with about 10 friends, uh, Last time to the MSU Montana State uh, Montana game in the winter there, uh, uh, and that was a great time. We had a blast uh, that game, um, so it was good to get back. We rented an Airbnb just near campus there, so it felt like old times. It was awesome. Look nice, forward to doing nice. that again. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. So you know, what do you think? You know, looking at the team that we have this next year coming up, we're not playing in the spring. Um, uh, with the FCS, but you know, what do you think that next year's team will look like, and what do you think they can accomplish? Well, I, I feel really good about this uh, recruiting class that uh, Coach Hauk and his staff has brought in. I've been reading the profiles. It seems like Coach Hauk really knows all of his players, uh, and um, I think it's going to be something to look forward to. Um, and that's part of being a good recruiter is knowing knowing your players, knowing your team, and knowing who you're bringing in and he seems to have that down um, to to a T. Uh, so I'm excited to hear the outcome and to see how these players develop and to see how the current Grizzlies on the current roster are going to do and how, how everybody's going to mesh with the new recruiting class and how hopefully that uh, unit as one can really transcend over to winning some more games for the University of Montana Grizzlies. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, just being kind of a, a a fan now and a former player, what do you think the Grizz have to be to improve to be successful for this next upcoming well, year? As an alumni, I think just um, 
when the tough gets uh, going, the the tough get going. So um, just taking advantage, I think, of uh, the new facilities in place too, like the weight room facilities, the locker rooms, and just re- really being grateful for that and really just attending all your classes and going to classes together and just enjoying university and, and enjoying those classes together um, as a team and uh, enjoying those moments out on the river or, or, um, and in the training facilities, getting to your treatments for your injuries and getting in the weight room and pu- putting out some big numbers for your team and uh, just love life uh, because those those days are special. And um, I, I know um, I'm definitely grateful for them. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not grateful for it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, it's a blessing every time we're alive. So, um, you know, looking at the quarterback situation, you know, you know, we lose, we lose Dalton Sneed um, from last year. It feels so weird saying last year because it's it's been forever since we've had football. <laughs> and um, so, you know, who do you think you know would be a good fit for for next year? Um, and you know, do you have any thoughts on that? What's that? Is Cam Humphreys still around? Yeah, Cam Humphreys is still. He's probably got the, you know, the 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 leg in it, just or the leg. Not no pun intended, right? <laughs> uh, you know, a little bit uh, of a of a momentum, just because he's had a little bit more experience than with some of the other guys. But yeah, Cam Humphreys, yeah. Uh, Ro- Robbie Patterson, yeah. um, have a yeah. have a c- couple uh, uh, transfers. Kirk Rigal. Um, you know, we have, uh, Carson Rosted, Chris Brown, um, you know, not a lot, not, a, uh, some of those guys don't have in-game, um, experience, which Cam does. Sure. I think, yeah, I think Cam's probably a good go-to there. I, I wanted to ask you this question because you're, you know, being a former student athlete and, you know, all this, you know, um, news of hearing, you know, being paid for their likeness and, and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on athletes getting paid? And, and yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I've heard this before. I think for school books, tuition, everything, that's great. And I think, um, I think it's okay. I think, I think athletes can get paid salaries. I think that's okay in the NCAA, but, um, because of the re- amount of revenue that the universities are bringing in, um, the big time ones at least, um, I just know that they they can probably afford to pay the players uh, a little bit uh, more as to what they're helping produce for their university because without the players, uh, um, I mean, there they're really probably isn't going to be a fan base because they're not going to be able to play games, right? So yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm all for paying the players a little bit, getting them a little bit of a salary, just as long as it's all legal, that CAA goes through it, and everything's out on the table, nothing under the table, everything's in contract, you sign it, that's what you earn. And I think that'd be a great way to um, motivate players uh, within the modern college day era to keep playing football. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I just, I feel like the, the, the NCA, you know, they're a huge entity, and I have, you know, dif- disagreeing thoughts on, on the NCA uh, with some people, but I don't think that they do a very good job. And I think the, the schools could do a whole lot better and do it, do it themselves. But um, there's no way that, that we can't have uh, student athletes get paid something um, and, and have some type of situation where that is happening um, in, in some, in some form, but yeah, you know, 
being a former student athlete and, you know, with this pandemic, uh, it, it you see a lot of the guys, you know, with the FCS, you know, they're opting out or um, getting ready for the draft. You know, what would you have done as a, a former student athlete? Would you have played this year if, if you were playing and, and what would you have done? Obviously, Adam, I would have loved to have been able to play if, during the pandemic. Uh, if, um, that was the case, but I'm 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 a guy who's supportive of my university and the rules that are instilled um, within the working environment. And that's business. You got to respect what what rules uh, the health authorities are putting forth for the university and what administration is saying. Uh, so. Uh, it's my understanding that it's not healthy for the University of Montana to uh, play football right now. Um, so I support uh, the administration and the University of Montana for not playing football this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if I was a guy, I, I would definitely want to be able to play, but it's just more of a mature understanding. And I think the NCAA has found a way to maintain that eligibility for these young student athletes so that they're not going to be missing out on too many games within their career that they're, they'll be moved to the next season once there's a vaccine in place and that these players are um, deemed eligible to play football again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I just don't, you know, even with, with being in a pandemic and, and even if they were able to play, I, I just can't see the Grizz being able to play you know, right now they would have been, you know, two weeks, you know, about two weeks away from playing a game. And, you know, <laughs> we just got hit by a huge storm. I'm in Wyoming, um, but, you know, I, I have friends up in Missoula and Helena and they got hit by a storm. It's been in, you know, highs have been, you know, well below zero. I just don't know how you would be able to practice and, and actually just get ready for a season safely. Um, I totally yeah. agree that it's just not, it's not in the best interest of the student athlete. I think the university of Montana probably has the funds to maybe make a river bowl uh, bubble uh, bubble over there on the river bowl. I think that'd be a brilliant idea. They could get together with some architects and some funders and some donors and, um, um, that they could put uh, a bubble there, that space on the River Bowl. I think that'd be great for the guys and the uh, University of Montana. Yeah, you can even def- play soccer. You can get the women's soccer team in there as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that they're gonna probably try to do that here. Probably, I, I don't know specifically, but I know that they have. It's in their master plan to do that here in the next ten years or so to to do an indoor facility. I think they have some some other things that they have to get done with the basketball uh, arena and the uh, workout facilities with the basketball and, and the dressing rooms and stuff like that and locker rooms. But other than that, I think that with this kind of hitting them, I think that's kind of on the forefront of, of doing some type, some type of a practice indoor practice facility. So. Brody, that was my last question. I, I really do appreciate you, you know, coming on and, and answering questions about your career. And I really appreciate you and, and what you've done in your career and, you know, how you've done it as well. Um, I can't, I can't thank you enough about coming on and, and I, I wish you the best, man. Well, Mr. Adam Healy, it's been a pleasure being able to be on your show, your knowledge and your expertise uh, with your research 
into my career is uh, certainly um, it uh, makes me feel good. And um, I think your knowledge of the University of Montana and the University of Montana Grizz football team and all the University of Montana athletics is exceptional. I think you're doing a lot of good things for the University of Montana, Missoula, and the state of Montana by uh, producing this uh, talk show that you have going on. So keep up the great work and all the best uh, within the future. That's going to do it for another episode of Fight on Montana. I would like to thank my guest, Brody McKnight, for coming on the podcast, talking about his career at the University of Montana, uh, and catching up with him and seeing what he's doing after football and a little bit about the Canadian Football League as well. Uh, Thank you to the listener for listening. Uh, Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts at. If you'd like to get a hold of us, we want to hear from you. Uh, You can get us on Twitter at FightOnMontana, also on our Instagram at FightOnMontana, and also at our Facebook page at FightOnMontana as well. Again, thank you for the listener for listening, and until the next episode, fight on.